Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Joining me today is a friend of mine, Lewis Howes. Uh, he, you might know him by the, he's a best-selling author of the School of Greatness. He runs the School of Greatness podcast. He's a former pro athlete, entrepreneur, uh, lifestyle entrepreneur. He's really done some incredible things. He's spoken on stages all over the world. And he's joining me today to talk about his latest book, The Mask of Masculinity. Uh, this is a really great book. He talks about the nine different masks that men often wear in society to find some resemblance of purpose and fulfillment. And these masks are often things that are blocking us from the things that we ultimately want most. So we're going to dive into not just the book, but we're going to talk about some of the challenges that men face today uh, from a societal standpoint, uh, what men face in terms of challenges in their relationships, in their work, in their friendships, and some of the impact that that's having on health. So what you can expect from this episode is some really great takeaways on how you can connect better with your partner and how you can start to dig into having a healthier mindset and a healthier body. So before we dive in, I just want to remind all the guys out there that are listening to head on over to Facebook, join the Man Talks community that we've got going on there. We've got almost 3,000 guys in that community now, and we talk about everything from fatherhood to fitness, uh, family, finance, like you name it, we really dive into it. Those are all F's for some reason, but uh, we dive into relationships and a lot of other stuff. So head on over. Uh, you can search for Man Talks Community and join the conversation. Uh, otherwise, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. And if you're tuning into us on iTunes or YouTube or Stitcher or any of those other platforms, feel free to hashtag Man It Forward, leave us a review uh, and, and rank us because it goes a long way in terms of getting us into the ears and onto the phones of other people. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And thanks for everybody that shared the podcast over the holidays. Uh, that was absolutely incredible. We wanted to kick this year off, right, with a really great episode uh, all about masculinity. Next week, you will hear uh, Gabby Bernstein coming on the podcast. We're going to have a great conversation with her. So without any further delay... I would like to welcome you to the episode with Lewis House, and please welcome Lewis. So stoked to have you here. It was awesome to see you uh, in New York for your book launch. Looked amazing. Thanks, man. Yeah, I have uh, I have just like seen the book everywhere. It has been yeah. incredible. Like in New York on like the Times Square billboard. Yeah. Um, just like so many guys are sharing it. So many friends are sharing it. And, you know, I think I, my sentiment still stands for, for what I said when I saw you, which is like, um, you know, thanks for doing this work because of course, man. it, it takes heart. It takes guts. And, um, and yeah, there we go. Campbell says great read, really enjoyed it. So, um, so the reason why I wanted to do this with you is a few reasons, you know, obviously one to talk about the book and the work that you're doing, um, because it's hugely, hugely important. Um, uh, but I also wanted to talk about, you know, men's health, uh, international men's health day is on, is on Sunday. And so I kind of felt like this all intermesh because really what your book is talking about in a lot of ways is men's health. You know, yeah. you, you dissect these masks that we wear and, Right. Um, you know, I think a lot of them really hit home with a lot of people. And so I guess where I wanted to start was, you know, why this book? Because this is like such a, uh, an incredible right turn 
um, from School of Greatness. How come this was the, the second book that you felt I, called to write? I felt like this was what mattered the most, especially now in our society with humanity, with how much pain and suffering is happening in humanity. I mean, even just in the last two weeks since I saw you in New York City, so much has happened in our world in just two weeks, let alone this entire year. But when I was in New York City, you know, just before that, there was a shooting in Vegas from a man who just unleashed because he didn't know how to emotionally express himself in a healthier form, felt alone, felt isolated, felt like he had to get his expression out in an angry way and then ended himself. Then when I was in New York City that day, there were sirens going off nonstop because a man drove a van or a bus or a truck through the city and killed a bunch of people. Didn't know how to express himself, so he took it out in, a, in an unhealthy way. Obviously, we're hearing in Hollywood and all these big companies, all the sexual harassment, sexual abuse coming out. Again, men that are using a false sense of power to dominate and to express themselves in unhealthy forms mm. without consent of other people. We are seeing, again, just in the last couple of weeks, a shooting in a, a church, a shooting in Northern California. All these things are happening constantly. And we see every season in sports, domestic violence, where some man is beating some wife or girlfriend and letting them slam into an elevator or whatever it may be. Where does this stem from? In my opinion, it stems from a lack of emotional release and the ability to communicate and express ourselves as men. We've talked about this a lot, Connor, not being feeling like it's acceptable to do it. And then having the conditioning and the backing our entire lives confirming that it's not acceptable, whether it be through childhood peers making fun of us for having emotions or being compassionate or giving towards other kids and making fun of us. And so us just wanting to fit in and belong and be a part of our peer group to sports uh, teams and locker rooms where, again, you can't show emotion, you can't cry, you can't do these things. So again, we just want to fit in with our teammates. We want to fit in with our classmates. We want to fit in with society. We want to fit in at our workspace. We want to fit in and act like we're cool or good enough or valuable enough to be accepted. I'm not saying any of this is okay for us to lash out and be aggressive in any form in, in society. I'm not okaying any of this. But what I'm saying is we've been rewarded as men to wear these masks. As a man who wore the athlete mask for many years, I was rewarded. I got a lot of big results. So why stop doing something when I continue to get massive results? You know, I'm achieving success in sports. And then I transitioned that mindset of an athlete of like, do whatever it takes to win in business. The challenge is that win-lose mentality, I couldn't turn it off. So in all of my intimate relationships, everything was a competition where if I play thumb war with my girlfriend back in the day, it was like I had to dominate and win at all costs. It's like, you know, heads and tail game. Like anything was like, I'm going to win because I had my, my self-worth wrapped around my, my winning. Hmm. And if I didn't win, then I didn't have self-worth. At least that's what I told myself. And so we see these, these masks come out in a lot of different forms, whether it be making lots of money and our self-worth being tied to our net worth. And that's a scary thing. Uh, again, the athlete mask, the sexual mask, we're, here, we're seeing the sexual mask come out left and right from men in society right now. The know-it-all mask, the joker mask, all these different things are just characteristics that, that some men have that give them big results, big rewards, 
but at the end of the day, leave us feeling very empty and isolated and alone. And that alone feeling is a scary feeling for any person. And if we never feel like we can actually communicate our feelings, then our physical health will manifest in negative ways. And we're going to respond in negative ways throughout the world. I'll give you an example. Talk about mental health. I was talking to Dr. Josh Axe two days ago. We did an interview together. He's a top doctor. Uh, he's got a massive platform, 50 million hits a, a month on his website, big audience on social media. Brilliant doctor, right? And I go, okay, Josh, let's say I do everything correct that a physician, a doctor, a chiropractor, all these experts talk about, sleep experts, and I sleep the perfect amount of sleep every single night. I'm in a sleep chamber. I've got, you know, the chili pad. It's this perfect temperature. The lighting is perfect. Everything is perfect. It's like Dave Asprey's chamber. Right. He's, I have he's, it all. Got, he's got that chamber. I've hacked the bio, the body in every way. I meditate. I eat perfectly. Like every ounce that I'm supposed to eat of the whole organic, grass-fed, everything to the ideal. Like I'm fasting till noon. I'm eating a specific way. I don't eat after a certain time. Perfect. I move my body every single day. I'm working out. I'm sweating. I'm stretching. I'm mobile. I'm drinking all the water I'm supposed to do. I do everything perfectly and physical that I'm supposed to do. Let's say I do that, and then I don't express my emotions. I don't express how I'm feeling. Uh, I never actually handle things with grace. I'm unable to talk about the things that hurt me from the past. I'm never able to... Uh, show emotion from when someone dies in my family or whatever it may be. I'm miserable in my emotional health. Hmm. Will the physical stuff overtake that and still support me in living a healthy, happy life? Or would the emotional side of things, the emotional mental health, hold me back? And he was like, absolutely. The emotional side of things is typically the cause of all disease. Hmm. You know, that's why he said there's a lot of people who live in blue zones or who live in Europe, who are super happy, super fulfilled, because they've got community, they're talking about their, their issues all the time, they're connected, they eat pretty bad some of the times. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like they're eating perfect in Europe, they're eating all sorts of crap, but why do they live longer? Why do they just seem happier and more fulfilled in their day-to-day -day life? And they're allowed to express themselves. These people are allowed to communicate. It's not looked down upon. But when we aren't able to express our feelings, you know, as a kid, I remember always crying, being very sensitive as a child, probably more so than the girls that I grew up with. But over time, I was told that wasn't okay because boys don't cry because it's not okay to cry. It's not cool. I didn't fit in. And so we suppress these emotions and it becomes a habit. It becomes second nature. Then in relationships, I'm not making women wrong here in any way. Every man is responsible for their own actions and behaviors. But in relationship, I'll give an example. I hear this a lot from married men right now who've coming to me and telling me this, that their wives have come to them and said, I want you to be more sensitive. Like, why don't you open up when I open up? Why don't you, you know, show some tears when I'm crying? How come you never cry around me? How come you're always like guarded and emotionally disconnected? Like, I wish you'd open up more. Hmm. And then the man comes to me and says, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. The next time I feel sensitive or any type of emotion, I'm going to allow myself to kind of just break down and just feel it. And that moment comes where they're overwhelmed, anxious, worried, something's happening, they're insecure, and they express it to their partner. 
Again, I'm not saying all women do this. I'm just saying I've heard this is something that happens. And they break down and they start getting sensitive and crying and emotional. And they're, they're like unsure of themselves in that moment. And all of a sudden, the woman says, well, I can't you have you being this way because I'm feeling this way. And I need you to be my rock. And if, and if I'm freaking out and you're freaking out, then what are we going to do? And I can't do this. And, uh, and as you know, we want to make our partners happy. And so we say to ourselves, never again do I want her to be mad at me for expressing myself. Do I want her to freak out on me and feel unsafe for me feeling this way? Mm. So I'm never again going to open up. This is what some men will say to me. They're like, never again, because I don't want her to be unhappy. Yeah. I don't want her to be freaking out on me and it'd be a turnoff to her. And so I keep hearing this and it's like, it's tough. And I think women aren't even aware of it sometimes. It's yeah. just like their own fears or whatever. And again, I'm not saying all women do this, but every time I tell this story, a lot of women are like, yeah, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. And, um, it's the challenge. So we get to create safe spaces for men to be able to express themselves. Whether it's once a day, they get, you know, you create a context and a container where you say, okay, babe, I want you to open up 30 minutes, say whatever you want. I'm not going to judge you or make you wrong. Or once mm-hmm. a week or once a month, whatever it is, creating a context for men to be able to open up to their intimate partners and to other men. You know, 45% of men say they don't have one guy friend they can share and open up to their insecurities about. Yeah. That's sad. If almost 50% of men feel like they don't have one guy where they can literally look in the eyes and just talk to and say all their fears, all their insecurities. Whereas, you know, your girlfriends, my girlfriends, they get together every day over lunch and talk about, here's what I'm going through in my relationship. Here's my body issue challenges right now. Here's my financial worries. Here's this. I feel insecure. I feel this. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm not sure of myself. Mm. And then, this is what they tell me when they're done having the conversation, they feel way better. Like, wow, other people could hear me, could relate to me. We connected. Where if a man doesn't do that, then he's never creating connection. There's never a sense of, I hear you, I see you, I get you, and I'm still here for you. And that creates an isolation. Now, as you know, more men commit suicide than women. More men are incarcerated than women. Uh, men die earlier than women. And I believe that there's, a, uh, there's no coincidence based on the emotional capacity that we've been conditioned as men that if we suppress emotions over and over, something is going to manifest in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Heart attack, disease, anger, killings, crime, all these things are manifesting a lot, in my opinion based on the lack of emotional capacity where we have, or we've been conditioned to have. I think yeah. all of us have incredible capacity to emote and express ourselves, but we've been conditioned to not fit in if we do. So it's yeah. on a long rampage. There. No, yeah. dude, that was straight fire. I, I love every piece yes. of that. And, and I agree wholeheartedly. I think, you know, the more that I've worked with men, I think the biggest piece that they do face is this lack of expression, as you so aptly put in the beginning. And I was on the TD Jake show last year, and, and he said, what's the biggest challenge that you think a lot of women face when actually allowing and creating the space for the men to open up? And, and I think you described it there like really on point, which is a lot of them don't know how to hold space for a man's vulnerability because they've yeah. never seen it. Right. They're just yeah. like, they've never witnessed it. They're so used to men just like shutting down, closing off, always having it put together or whatever, you know? Right. Right. And so it's like, it's a, it's a new thing that we're seeing where guys are starting to, 
take off that mask and show their real true self and, yeah. and actually like lean into that space. But it's so needed because, you know, everywhere I go, I see more and more men who are like, they're wanting this work, but it's almost like it's, it's behind the scenes for them still, you know, like, uh-huh. what do you think is stopping men from leaning into doing this work, reading your book, checking out, you know, our podcast, like what's preventing a lot of guys from, from actually leaning this face to, to doing that? Because it seems like these masks that we wear are in a lot of ways, like the pieces that are preventing us from stepping into the, into yeah. the work. I think it's just the fear of fitting in. Are people going to make fun of me? Are other men going to say I'm weak? Are they going to think I'm like soft now that I'm like the reason for, you know, emasculation or whatever in the world? Uh, you know, are women going to accept me? Are men going to accept me? Yeah. So I just feel like the fear, the fear of like, it's hard to take off a mask. It's hard to say, okay, this is what I've been conditioned to do my whole life. And now I'm going to change. I think it's just challenging. And even though I've been doing this work for four years now and starting to like take off the mask, I, and I'm talking about it daily and I'm like going through the process daily. I still go back to my old ways, you know, even four years of doing the work, I still get angry, aggressive. I want to react quick when I feel attacked in certain ways. Mm. And I'm very aware of it. I think the difference is like, I'm aware of it. I catch myself very quickly. I apologize much faster as opposed to holding on to something and like making people wrong or like proving a point or needing to be right. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, I think Victor Frankl said it's the, there's, there's a space between stimulus and response, the pause between stimulus and response. Right. It sounds like that's the space that you're talking about cultivating. And that's such a powerful space. Cause I think, you know, if we are, if our worth is based off of our, off of the results that we achieve because like, we're so conditioned for performance-based results like that's how we think for you with sports like for me you know the one that hit home for me and we've talked about this before was the sexual mass yeah you know like that was my that's where i defaulted to so heavily because i i was like okay at sports mm. i was okay at school i was like mediocre at everything but i felt like i had found a, a place where i could perform and i got results and i got attention and validation mm-hmm. and so that's like the mask that i i wore and that was your to. sport yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah yeah man it's just challenging again these rewards um these results we get have a big reward but mm. when it leaves us with a massive price that we have to pay on the inside for our emotional health of feeling isolated, alone, insecure, still like it's never enough. I remember achieving all these things and it never being enough. And I was like, why am I still angry when I achieve these things? Like I thought I was supposed to feel better now. And I realized that I was doing all these things to prove people wrong from my past who had doubted me or made fun of me. I was like, okay, I'm going to put this mask on, become so valuable, so important that people have to like me and have to take notice of me and accept me now. And it's just like when when our fuel is driven by anger and resentment, it's never going to feel enough. But when our fuel is driven by inspiration, giving, compassion, wanting to make a difference, then we're always refueled and feeling more fulfilled. And I, it took me 25 years to realize like, wow, I was driven to prove people wrong. And now I'm driven to lift others up. And there's a much different, like I sleep so much better. I used to never be able to sleep at night. Like I could, it took me hours. I'd just lay in bed, stressed out, 
And now it's like I hit the pillow and I fall asleep within 10, 15 minutes. Mm. And I think it's because I just have so much inner peace within myself that I'm not stressed out and insecure or afraid anymore. It's just like, okay, there's challenges and adversity, but I can handle them tomorrow. I don't just like think, sit up in bed and I'm like, uh, what does this person think about me? It's just like, no, okay, here's the challenge. Let's go after it from a loving place. And that's the difference maker. Mm, I love it, man. I love it. And so, you know, once guys start to identify the detriments of this like performance based version of fulfillment and satisfaction, how do they then start to, how do they then start to shift it? Like, you know, obviously checking out the book and, and sort of finding which mask you sort of fall into. Do you find that men, maybe I'll just ask this question first. Do you find that, that men have a predominant mask that there's sort of like one that really, um, uh, takes them over. Obviously it's different for everybody, but is there, is there one that like that more men have than others? Um, I think there's some tendencies. Uh, some, I think a lot of men have the stoic mask and can relate to that mm-hmm. the stoic mask where they don't show any emotion. Uh, there's a lot of men, uh, that have the aggressive mask and the alpha mask. I'd say those three are kind of like, uh, some that women say, Oh yeah, I see those men in my life where they're stoic. They don't show any emotion. They're always strong. They're alpha. They're aggressive. I think there's a lot of the know-it-all mask where women will say like, he's always needs to be right. He always has the answer. Even when he's wrong, he's just like, has to be right. Um, the sexual mask is a lot of that. It depends on the pocket of the, the, the country. I think you're in, in LA, we got a lot of the sexual mask because there's a lot of temptation and things like that. Mm-hmm. The, uh, material mask is a big one where a lot of men are proving their self-worth based on their net worth and trying mm-hmm. to project, here's how valuable I am. I'm all for having nice things. I'm all for like living in a nice place. Like I'm in a, in a nice condo looking over all of LA right now. I see in my window, I see like a 360 view. I'm all for having a nice place and nice things and nice cars if you want to and hell private jet if you can afford it. I'm all for making lots of money. I think there's a, there's a difference between making lots of money and building your business and doing these things and having nice things and talking about all the nice things you have all the time to get validation for your value of who you are. Mm. So it's, it's a difference. It's like a nuance. It's like a dance. And I think the ones that are just living their life and giving back and they have nice things and they're making a lot of money. Great. But if you got to constantly tell me how much money you have because you're insecure, then something is underneath that, that you haven't addressed Mm -hmm. and it's never enough. It's never like enough. You're always chasing more. The Joker mask is one I hear. Some guys who are always have to make a joke and always living with, with humor, even in sensitive times, it's like they don't know how to f- handle their emotions in those times. So they try to diffuse the situation with humor. And again, all these masks aren't bad necessarily. Like the Joker mask is great. Like who doesn't want to be around fun, humorous people? But when it's a mask that's hiding beneath something to actually share your emotions and you never share your emotions you never talk about these things, then I believe it's, it's hurting yourself. I mean, look at Robin Williams as an example. He was arguably the funniest man ever to live and made everyone laugh and movies and everything else, but wasn't able to make himself laugh and never was able to deal with his inner challenges. And they were masking through his humor and his comedy. He always had to be on. He couldn't just be himself. And I believe his greatest role 
was a Goodwill Hunting, wasn't a comedy at all. And I think that's truly who he was because he was so amazing in that movie. He was probably a very sensitive, intelligent, giving, caring, compassionate man. But if you're always asked to tell a joke, then, hey, where's the funny Robin? Where's the funny Robin? We want the funny guy. It's hard because you are like, okay, well, I just want to fit in. So I'm going to tell a joke every freaking time I meet someone. I'm going to tell a joke. I have to be on. Yeah. And that's exhausting. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of these, um, from what you've described, these masks are means to hide something and, and avoid something, whether it's, uh, you know, anger or frustration or a lack right. of worth or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, once we've identified that, how do we start to like move through that? Cause it seems like, you know, it, it seems like a lot of people I'm sure will have probably identified with something or one of the masks that you've said so far. Like I even think back to when I was a kid, I was totally this joker as a kid growing up through elementary and junior high and high school, because I didn't want to be seen as somebody who wasn't capable in school. I didn't, I, you know, I had ADHD. I wasn't really a good reader. I was like totally not focused. And so I would use humor to divert attention away from that and do like the stupidest, stupidest things. And, and it would get me in a lot of trouble. So once we start to realize that, how do we shift out of that space when that's been our identity for so freaking long? It's a great question. <laughs> I think it's different for everyone because it's really hard to break a habit you've had your entire life that has gotten you results. But when it gets you results on the outer world, but it hurts you in the inner world over and over and over again, and you realize something's missing. So first step is being aware of it. A second step is starting to talk about it. And you can even just journal and write these things down. And for me, it was talking about all the things that I was insecure about that I didn't want anyone to know about me and starting to let everyone know all those things. Mm. That's what I did and what worked for me. It was the most terrifying thing to tell people that I was raped by a man at five years old to talk about my brother being in prison for four and a half years and me not having any friends during those time to be in the special needs classes in, in elementary school all the way through high school. It wasn't easy for me to talk about these things at first. Because I was terrified that people were going to judge me and I wasn't going to fit in and be accepted. Again, we all want to belong. Now, when the more and more I started to open up about it and tell my family and my friends these things I was insecure about, the less I had heart palpitations when I was talking about it. The more I started to have power over these things as opposed to those things having power over me. And people trusted me more. They liked me more. They wanted to spend more time with me. And I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Like, I still belong. And people aren't like pushing me away. They're accepting me more. And uh, so I think we all get to have our own process. You know, if you want to journal these things first, if you want to tell a friend first, if you want to hire a therapist who lives in a confidential space, who can't share this with anyone to start going through it, hiring a coach, you know, whatever it may be, doing emotional intelligence workshops. If you're, you know, finding a pastor, if you're in the church, finding someone that you trust that isn't going to share this with anyone. So you can have your own process first. Yeah, I think that's huge. And, and, you know, just on, on that note, I think a big part of it is to rebuild those relationships with other men. You know, that, that stat of 45% of guys don't have that best friend that they can turn to. I think a lot of us just have, you know, we have broken relationships with men in our life, whether it's our fathers or our brothers or just our friends. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting because the more that I don't know, if this is true for you too, but the more that I've stepped into this sort of like public eye with man talks and started to have these conversations, 
the more that I see it's a threat to other men, like women are very supportive of it. But yeah. like, for example, uh, I just got interviewed through this platform, Nowhere Men, and they put this video out and, you know, it's got, you know, a good amount of views and whatnot. But it was just interesting to see the comments, you know, like some of the comments that like so many people were like, yes, this is needed. This conversation is needed. And I talked about a dark part of my life where I lived out of the back of my car because of my shame and my pride mm-hmm. and thought about committing suicide. And and it was it was it's hard to talk about that shit. Yeah. And and then to have, you know, to see the comments of like, you know, this is needed, da 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 da. And then to have, you know, the troll being like, oh, you're just a leftist snowflake or you're a beta cuck and like those yeah, those types yeah. of things. And so it's it's really interesting to see the like adversity that that it that we face in terms of rewriting some of these scripts as men and so you know what do you say to the guys that are out there that see this as a threat that see this conversation that we're having and the book that you just wrote what do you say to them uh who see this as a threat and and how do we if we can even engage them in the conversation because that's been a huge challenge for me everything comes down back to, to two things do our actions, our thoughts, and our decisions support both of these things? And if they don't support these two things, then why are we doing it? I would ask this question. And so what are these two things? Does my action or reaction to a situation, does it support a purposeful vision in my life? And does it support my inner peace? Mm. So if I'm wearing a mask and constantly wearing it, does it support my vision and my inner peace? Or is it masking those things or hurting them? Mm-hmm. If I'm angry and aggressive when I'm driving and someone cuts me off and I go right to alpha aggressive mask and I cut them off and I flip them off and I honk and my heart starts racing and I get angry, does that actually give me inner peace in that moment, inner fulfillment? And does it help me get clarity and have the energy to go towards the vision for my life, the mm-hmm. purposeful vision for my life? No, it takes me it says, actually, I'm a weaker man for getting upset at something that is irrelevant to me. And I'm so weak that I'm putting all my attention on it and taking it away from my inner peace and a purposeful vision for my life and my, my family and the world. Mm. So actually, you're being weaker in my mind. And listen, I'm speaking to myself because I do this all the time. I'm allowing another person to have power over me. That's the ultimate uh, anti-alpha when another person has power over you and we're thinking we're defending ourselves we're puffing our chest we're reacting we're showing them we're proving them but we're actually saying they have power over you and i think martin luther king jr said i am butchering this but he said something along the lines of like i never get angry at someone who's racist to me or yells at me or who attacks me because i'm not going to give them that power they don't have more power than me and if and if I react, then I'm saying they have power over me. And I think that's an interesting th- concept. So for the men who aren't willing to get on board, just ask yourself then, are all the actions and thoughts and decisions and reactions every single moment of your days supporting peace in your heart? Or are you anxious and stressed and feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders? Do you feel reactive all the time? And do things get you frustrated? If they do, why? And is that a strong man or a weak man? Just ask yourself that. And when you allow yourself to react with a mask, is it helping you make more money and, ha- and build your business, get the raise you want in your career, 
get have a stronger relationship uh, with your intimate partner, help your family life, help your physical health with the anxiety and the stress and the pressure that you're putting on yourself right now, understanding that from top doctors and Chinese medicine talk about the emotional health first before the physical, how the emotional plays into manifestation in the body. Are you supporting your health and your vision and your life when we do these things? I'm speaking to myself here because it's a daily conversation of like, am I going to react in this moment or am I going to rise above it and be peaceful? It's challenging every single day. The ego is strong. And I go back to those two things. Does this help my vision and does this help my inner peace? If not, then I'm wearing a mask and I get to look at it and address it and move back to vision and inner peace. I love it, man. I love it. I think that that's so huge and, and it distills something that we often make like hyper complex into something very tangible and actionable. And so I, I absolutely love that. Thanks. Um, so I know that we're, we're pressed for time uh, yep. because of the technical difficulties that I, that we had at the very beginning. It's all good. Um, it's all good. Mask of masculinity. Where can people find it? Mask of masculinity.com. Yeah, you can check it out at uh, maskandmasculinity.com or you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble and uh, check it out. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to have a, a link for people to check out as well. Dude, I thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. This is a great conversation. Appreciate you. Shared out through like Mankind Project and everything while we were sitting here jamming. So Sweet. a ton of people uh, chime in. So this is great. Uh, appreciate the work that you're doing. And I look forward to having another convo in the future, brother. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate you, bro. Okay. Appreciate you.